Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning. Good evening. Depends what time zone you're listening from. Depends what country you're listening from. This is Chris Sheridan on The Sheridan Show uh, by BasketballNews.com. I'm pleased to be joined by a good friend of me and a guy I've worked with side-by-side all around the world for the better part of a couple decades, lead uh, basketball writer at the Associated Press, Brian Mahoney. Brian Mahoney, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm getting through a pandemic and I'm vaccinated. So I'm uh, I'm like the only happy man on my block. <laughs> Let's start in Brooklyn because you were in Brooklyn last night and saw the Houston Rockets jump all over the Brooklyn Nets until the Nets do what they always do. They play to the level of their opponent and then they turn it on in the fourth quarter and they won that one by 12. And you'll, you'll be back there tonight to see them play uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the news last night, though, was the that uh, James Harden pulled his hamstring. Um, and now James is out tonight, and it's looking like Blake Griffin is getting rested tonight. But at the same time, Kevin Durant is closer to a comeback, and the Brooklyn Nets are in first place now. They've been behind Philadelphia for a little while, and they finally jumped a half game ahead of them. Um, your take on this team and how far they're going to go, Brian? Well, I think they're going to go really, really far. Uh, there's just too much firepower there. Uh, I mean, the only thing stopping them right now is they can't get the guys on the floor. Uh, they're being super cautious with Durant, which is understandable. Uh, they win games without him. There's been no reason to rush. He's been out a month and a half, and they've won 18 out of 21 and 19 out of 22, I think it is now. So, uh, you know, at some point they do need to get those three guys back on the floor. They just added Blake Griffin. They've just added LaMarcus Aldridge. They haven't had all those guys play together yet. So they do need to see that before the playoffs. But, you know, the bottom line is you got two of those guys out there. You're going to win a lot of games. Uh, and that's what we've seen from them. And they've got the longest winning streak in the Eastern Conference right now at three games. But go over to the other conference and, damn, Utah's won seven in a row again. They went through a little bit of a rough patch, but bang, seven in a row, and they're just killing everybody with threes, and then sitting three games behind them is a team nobody expected in second place. That's the Phoenix Suns, and both they and the Portland Trailblazers are sitting on four-game winning streaks right now. So let's, But let's focus on the best of those teams, and that's the Utah Jazz. How far is that team going to go, Brian? I mean, they have everything that you need. I mean, a ton of three-point shooting, you know, a guy who can get his own shot anytime in Mitchell, uh, a tremendous defensive player in Rudy Gobert. So, I mean, I don't really know what else they're missing. Uh, and they have, you know, two guys handle the ball when you look at Mitchell and Mike Conley. So, um, you know, what's funny is they were in New York right around the new year and they got swept in a back-to-back, lost to the Nets, lost to the Knicks. And I remember thinking, I thought the Jazz were going to be good. And, uh, you know, they've lost like probably five times since then. They just went on an incredible run shortly after that, and they've kept it going. And, you know, I love their team. I understand why people think they're not as good. Maybe they're not as the L.A. teams ultimately. And, you know, who knows? But for what you need to win basketball games, they certainly have it. Yeah. What they're missing is a is a high-speed mode of transportation to get Donovan Mitchell to road games after the thing they went through <laughs> For those who hadn't heard, the the Jazz's charter flight hit a flock of birds and they lost an engine and the players thought the plane was going to crash. It didn't, and it returned to Salt Lake City, but Donovan Mitchell didn't get on the replacement plane and he missed last night's game. And now they have an issue about what are we going to do to get Donovan Mitchell to road games because Donovan Mitchell already had a fear of flying. But uh, behind Utah is Phoenix, and by far the NBA's biggest overachievers of the year 
they're sitting at 33 and 14 as we uh, record here on uh, the first day of April. Um, and, and Brian, who gets the credit? Monty Williams, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Jay Crowder. I mean, where you know how deep does this, the list go? But who's at the top of it? Well, that's a good question. I mean, ultimately, if I had to pick one, I would say Chris Paul as the new guy uh, coming in this year. But by the same token, I mean, I think we thought they were going to be certainly very improved, maybe not quite to the level they're at, but they had the great finish in the bubble last year. I think that really gave them some momentum. And then you go make that trade and bring Chris Paul in uh, for even more of a boost. So I'm not surprised they're, you know, one of the best teams in the West. I don't really know ultimately how far they'll go, but uh, certainly, I would have put them in a list of teams who would be in the race for home court, no matter what. Yeah, and and sitting in fourth place right now and injured and not playing well for a very long stretch are the L.A. Lakers. Um, and it's interesting, ESPN had a, a panel roundtable discussion this morning about, I think the Lakers will be a playing team, um, which would mean they were 7, 8, 9, or 10. But right now, they're fourth. Do you see them uh, falling that far? I mean, Portland's a half game behind them. Portland and Denver are both a half game behind them and tied for fifth. But then it's it's a pretty big drop-off, three in the loss column to Dallas and San Antonio, which are at 7-8, both with 21 losses. The Lakers were, are sitting on 18 losses today. You see the Lakers falling that deep into the conference? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if I see them falling all the way down to seven. Uh, you know, Dallas just isn't consistent enough that I would ever think they're going to go on a really big run. Uh, but, you know, it can't rule it out, I guess. If, look, if LeBron and Davis continue to be out for a long, long time, then anything's possible. But I, ultimately, I don't think it matters that much. I don't think they do either. You know, if those guys are healthy come May, that's really all that matters to them. Uh, if they have to win one extra game, so be it. That's not going to cause them too much stress at all. Yeah, it's one thing people tend to forget. It doesn't really matter what your team looks like in late March or in early April. It matters what you, what it looks like when the playoff roster is set. And, you know, if there's a guy that's coming over from Europe because his team just got knocked out of the playoffs or from China and he's good and he can help you, you can add him. And, you know, what your playoff roster looks like and whether you go into the, the postseason with a header steam or not, um, I think those are, are kind of underappreciated factors. But... Uh, you know, we'll see who has a head of steam when the playoffs begin, and then we'll sort it out from there. Um, but Brian, I want to I want to turn to the MVP race because it's an interesting one this year. Um, for a long time, it looked like it was Joel Embiid's, um, and then he got hurt, and then LeBron James became the you know the default uh, favorite, and then he got hurt, and right now Nikola Jokic is is a just a huge huge favorite. But gaining ground is uh, James Harden. Today, his odds are down to five to one. Two months ago, he was seventy-five to one. Um, and right now, in that industry, the guys that are given a chance are Nikola Jokic, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, and Luka Doncic. Uh, everybody else is at least fifty to one. So, the sports gambling industry sees it as a seven-man race. What do you see it as? You know, it's it's kind of become one of my pet peeves, Chris. I know, I know you you do a lot in the gambling business, so it's important to you and everything. But the the fact that everyone keeps taking the MVP race temperature so often this season seems like it's more than ever. And maybe it's because the race is so close, but there's a third of the season left. It's not like we're anywhere close to the season being over. And, you know, for me, I had Embiid the whole season. They were in first place. He got hurt. And people said, OK, he's not the MVP anymore. 
wait a minute. If he comes back this weekend, they've fallen out of first place without him. If he then dominates again and they go back to first place, why is that not the MVP? I don't see why he should not win it because of that. Uh, you know, I'm fine if it's Jokic. I'm fine if it's Lillard. Uh, you know, if it's Giannis again, he has a, they all have great cases. But I just think the, the fact that we need to kind of choose so soon who the favorites are, I think we kind of lose, sat of, uh, lose focus of what the MVP actually is. Yeah, and it's a regular season award, and there's a reason why the NBA doesn't send out the ballots until the day after the season ends. Um, and, you know, people need something to talk about. I think that's what's fueling it. And it's a good thing to talk about, and it's a good debate um, when it translates into pressure to choose someone now and then, you know, back it up with a really strong argument. It, it, that's where it doesn't make sense because it's not time to vote yet. Like you said, there's a third of the season left. There's a lot of basketball left to be played. You know, let's see where the Suns finish because right now, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are both more than you know 150 to one. Donovan Mitchell's 100 to one, and um, he there could be a team that closes with 15 straight wins, and the MVP comes out of nowhere. It's it's really a wait and see thing. And uh, on that topic, Brian, let's turn to international basketball because we both covered it together in a lot of different places. We had a great time together in Turkey. Um, covering the world championships there. And we got a lot of stories to tell from our, from our travels overseas. And uh, I want to give, let you tell a really good, a couple good stories from uh, when you covered uh, Eurobasket in, uh, or the world championships in Spain, you got to see Laurie Markkinen play. You were one of the first American journalists to see Laurie Markkinen play. And he had quite a crowd behind him, but then also something else happened in Bilbao with um, the New Zealand national team and then a certain sort of famous NBA coach who nobody recognized. Take it from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the, at the end of that week, uh, New Zealand hadn't been in the tournament in a while. They had had some struggles and they finally got back that, that year to play in the worlds. And so people hadn't seen them do the haka in a long time. They played the USA. You can probably go back on YouTube and see the highlight of them doing it. And James Harden kind of like, wow, look at this thing. But so, leaving the airport that day to go fly to Barcelona for the next round. A lot of fans see the New Zealand team there and they're all flocking to them and talking to all the New Zealand players. And here comes Greg Popovich just walking down the hallway and no one's noticing. <laughs> say, say, say coach pop. And literally I'm having a one-on-one -on -one talk with him. They had just won the NBA title two months earlier and no one is even talking to him, but uh, it's probably, you know, one of the only times in your life you can, you know, be that famous and have no one notice you, but there was just such a buzz for New Zealand that that's what the fans cared about. Yeah. And uh, you see strange things in international basketball, depending on, on, on where you're at, at the 2000 Sydney Olympics, I noticed that uh, the Brazilian Federation was staying near bon, uh, Bonzi Beach, which is a nice part of Sydney with um, great weather. And the Sydney Olympics were fantastic. And so I'd go down to Bonzi Beach a lot because uh, you needed you need some place to go. And what I noticed was because the Brazilian Federation was headquartered right across the street, the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger every day. Everybody wanted to hang out with the Brazilians because they just would not stop dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brazilians like the samba and when, you know, and other people like to hang out with people who like to dance all the time. And so the, the Brazilians drew a crowd in Sydney, but uh, we've got another Olympics coming up this summer in Tokyo and we're both going. 
Um, and we know Team USA is going to be there. And we know a couple of the other teams that are going to be there. But let's start with Team USA. My first question is, you think LeBron James is going to play? Because you know that Jerry Colangelo and Greg Popovich want him. What you don't know is whether LeBron is going to want to do it again. I think it will depend on how easy the Lakers playoff run or how hard it is. You know, he's going to miss a lot of time with injury now. Uh, if it's a short playoffs for him, maybe he does it. But if I had to guess at this moment, I would say no. I know he wants to play for, for Popovich. Uh, I know they'd love to have him, obviously. But ultimately, I don't know at this stage of his career why, you know, adding on a few more games and a few months of travel when he's been away so much last summer would be something he'd want to do. Yeah, and these rosters tend to tend to change even up to the last day of camp in Las Vegas. I'm going to throw a couple names at you, Brian. Guys that are on the roster now, give me a quick yes or no. Is he going to Japan? Let's start. Bam Adebayo. I would say yes on him. Bradley Beal. You know, Beal's a guy who had to drop out a couple years ago. I know they've tried to get him back. I know he wants to go. I, I would say yes. Steph Curry. He's my only lock among the top A-list guys. Uh, he had to pull out in 2016. Uh, he, the only thing he hasn't done is an Olympics. I'd say Steph is a definite yes. Paul George. I would say he's a TBD on the playoffs, I think. James Harden. I would say no. Really? Uh, I, think that, I think the Nets are going to be playing. Don't forget. Uh, with the schedule this year, the NBA finals are going to go until literally a couple days before the opening ceremony. Uh, you know, as much as James Harden loved to play, I think he's going to want to party afterward if the Nets win the title more than he wants to go play more basketball. Worse places to party than Tokyo. I disagree with you on that one. Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's pulled out every other time. Uh, he says he wants to play this time, but I'll believe it when I see it with Kawhi Leonard. Okay, and one more, Donovan Mitchell. I think he'd be a yes. I think he really loves to play. I think they liked having him in the world a couple of years ago. I think he'd like to do it, and I think they'd like to have him. Again, that roster turns over all the time. Right now, Mitchell Robinson is on the Team USA roster. Mitchell Robinson just broke his foot. And, you know, Brian, let's spin back to the NBA. You covered the Knicks an awful lot, too. Um, they haven't yet added a, a new center to replace Mitch Robinson, and Nolan's Noel is playing. He got hammered last night in uh, by Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota, and the Knicks lost to the worst team in the NBA. What's the solution there? Because they are going to be a, a playoff team. Well, I mean, I do think they need to make an addition. I think they kind of held out hope they would be involved in Andre Drummond. I don't know if there was ever a real shot, uh, but I, I think they thought they wanted to keep that spot open just in case. And now that that's not going to happen, obviously, uh, knowing they lost Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. I mean, if they really want to make this playoff push, which I really think they do, I think it's important for them. Then that's a spot that has to be upgraded. You know, uh, there's time to figure it out. Uh, I you not know. There's not a bunch of great, great candidates out there, but you know, anything's better than nothing. And it's something of a need right now. Yeah. You just got to keep watching guys like Hassan Whiteside, who's injured right now, but might be a buyout candidate. Uh, I think Ed Davis in Minnesota uh, hasn't played the last few games. He could be a, a buyout candidate. Again, what your roster looks like at the on the first day of the playoffs does not necessarily have to resemble what it looks like uh, in uh, the beginning of April. So stay tuned on that one. Uh, he's Brian Mahoney from the Associated Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian C. Mahoney. Uh, he does a fantastic job for the world's largest news gathering organization. I'm Chris Sheridan. You can follow me on Twitter at Sheridan Hoops. 
And this podcast is for basketballnews.com. Uh, come check out our site and check out um, a bunch of the podcasts that we're, uh, that we're running. We just added Rex Chapman to our staff, and he did podcast number three of his race uh, recently. Uh, and he had on Andy Richter, who you remember being a famous sidekick on, on TV. Kenya Martin uh, was just at a podcast and had Gary Payton uh, on his podcast. I covered Gary at the Olympics. Great guy and just a, you know, a heck of a guy. To He knows everything. The thing about our site is we have so many former NBA players, and they're like the best reporters out there, but they just don't know it because they all talk to each other and gossip about stuff that's going on in the league. And when LeBron James decided to go to uh, from uh, from Cleveland to the Los Angeles Lakers, the guy who broke the story was Gary Payton when he he talked about it on uh, on Black Sports Online, and he's like, everybody knows it, man. Kids are in high school already, and that's how the news got out. So check out basketballnews.com. We got a lot of great content, a lot of ex players, and a lot of great journalists. Starts at the top with Alex Kennedy. Uh, and goes all the way uh, through a long, long list. But the guy I want to acknowledge is my producer, Brian Fritz, who I've worked with for a number of years. So, Brian, again, thanks for coming on the show. I, I hope to see you out in better New York conditions soon. Yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Yeah, and uh, look, folks, let's uh, let's see see what how it all sorts out uh, over the final third of the season. We still got a lot of basketball left, so everybody keep their head on straight and keep focused on the prize. In the NBA, that's the championship. And in society at large, that means getting along with each other and getting out and about and enjoying nice weather without being angry and mean to each other. I'm seeing a little too much of that, and we don't need it. And with that, we go over and out.